This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Skylar Hanrath. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But, but wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Well, this is a treat that I just get to have a little one-on-one time with the old SH. Yes, it's great to see you. We uh, Listeners, slightly different format this week, but we it's happened a couple of times before, and we always have fun with it. Jamie is tied up, so it's just uh, Rose and I, which is yeah. very exciting. For a very exciting movie. Everyone agrees. <laughs> it's just a little QT with me and Sky today. A little cute hang. Yeah. Um, Skylar, who were you this week? Um, who was I this week? I guess I was, sh- I, I want to be Charlotte this week. I think I was Charlotte this week. We got a dog recently, so <gasps> that's also very Charlotte. Skylar, how did you wait until just now? Oh, yes. I, I don't know. He, I mean, well, he's, he, normally I have to make sure that he's quiet during the records, but he's. Where is he? He's in the other room. His name is Bodie. He's a <gasps> Springer Spaniel. He's great. Can I see him? Yeah, yeah, I can hear. I'll have, I'll text Kristen. Okay. Wait, this is big goddamn news. Yeah, no, he's the best. Skylar, I feel like the last time we talked about you getting a dog, you were like, oh, maybe later. Like, what changed? Um, well, what cha- what changed? We finally found, well, we, we had looked at a dog, we'd looked at adopting for a while, and that ended up being very tricky. And then we Why? just... Well... Because the kind of dog that we wanted, we wanted a dog that was like sort of mid size and like could like really like hold its own at the dog What's park. What's mid size? Like thirty pounds, forty between thirty and fifty, basically. Um, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the the shelters nearby were all just oh like. Oh my god! Him. Hi, Kristen. Oh, she can't hear me. Oh, Rose says hello. Hello. Oh my God, he's perfect. Yeah, he's so cute. I'm sorry, listeners. I know that this is a podcast, but Bodie is amazing. He's growling into the mic a little bit. Why is he, he growling? Uh, because he's flying. Because I'm holding him. <laughs> but he's doing great. Be honest. Who's his favorite? You or Kristen. Be really honest. The thing is, it's changed. Kristen had a whole moment, a whole true meltdown a week and a half ago. 
<laughs> where she was like, I worry that he doesn't like me because uh, because when I left the room, he would freak out. And now he's really turned the tide on that. And he's indifferent to me. And he freaks out when she leaves the room. And I'm still in the room. Wow, with them. he's really playing with y'all. Yeah, he's we're we're on a real roller coaster with Bodhi. Are you but... guys like sort of competing over like who gets to be loved the most? I I well, for Kristen, I think she was surprised that he was like withholding at all or more into me at all whereas oh i'm God, like he's more into you it's like yeah. kristen he's just not that into you girl i know and i it's it this is the tough truth of having a new puppy like sometimes he's just not that into kristen but right now he's just not that into me and but i think it's all gonna what come did you around. do wrong sky again i can't i would love to be able it, it that's one of the fun things about having your own first dog too where it's like you're around him so much and it's also that silly thing where like I want to know what he's thinking, but he's a dog. So what he's thinking is like, he is, I would like food. Like he doesn't have like thoughts, but I'm also like, why, why do you like Kristen more right now? Or why do you like me more right now? I don't have an answer. Wait, do you and love he's not giving me an anything answer. else in your life or second? Is it go Kristen, the dog, and then everybody else? Or just go the dog, Kristen? It's the dog, Kristen. But again, <laughs> we're all, we're all moving up and down in hierarchies all the time over here. Um, has he improved your joy content? You're, you're like, like, do you feel like your heart has grown since you got him? He rules. Yes. Absolutely. It's also one of those things where it's like, it's, it's truly because it is such a new thing. Like every now and again, Chris and I will both just you look have, at him wait, and it's just you guys, like, you have NRE new relationship energy where yes. you're just like so in love. Yeah. Yeah. But every now and again, we'll just like both look at him and be like, it's just wild that you're here. Like we, you're so good. And it's like, it's cool that we're tied into you for as long as okay wait so i totally hijacked you were saying adoption got tricky so then how did you get him he is he we got him from a breeder he is a breeder dog we do look i feel bad about that we bought i don't think you should feel bad because you know what you're still loving a creature and taking care of a creature and and giving a creature a great life and you got the dog you wanted and fucking fine we also um part of the reason it took so long too was that um this breed in the U.S. Uh, by default, they get their tails docked, and I think docked? that yeah, so they like hack half the tails off. Why? Basically, I don't. It's truly like an American aesthetic it's thing, like, a like circumcision. Basically, like in the U.K., where they're also very popular dogs, it's not legal to do that. So, like hmm. all of the U.K. Springer Spaniels have their full tails, but it's like they're hunting. There's a line of them that are hunting dogs, and it's like just sort of like transferred over that docking is kind of the standard with them. And I thought that was very lame. So I we also held off until there was a new a new batch, batch of dogs. Yeah. And we could hold and we could ask the breeder to make sure not to take his so tail. Why did you decide? Sorry for people who aren't like obsessed with dogs. Uh, I'm just talking to the listeners like you and me, Skylar, are obsessed with dogs. I'm very yes. obsessed with them. Other listeners may not be. So just like fast forward a little. But I have another dog question. Yeah. yeah. What made you want this particular breed? Like, why were you like, this is the breed? Because I don't know much about your breed. So it by by chance, both Kristen's dad and my dad, when we were like children, uh, had these dogs. And so mm. I have like some level of familiarity with them. And we also just wanted one that was, again, like midsize, had a good amount of ener- a good amount of energy and could like hold its own at the dog park and like really like kind of go on trips with us and, and whatnot. Um, what about hikes? I think we'll definitely hike with him a little. We're not huge hikers, but we okay. are like very, very big walkers and he'll be mm-hmm. able to Walk do very hour. big. Yeah. Which is fun and exciting. And like, yeah, I'm so and also um, 
just by chance, Kristen had a friend who got another Springer from this same breeder and they recommended uh, the breeder Great. to Kristen. And he's awesome. Yeah. 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 Great. Bodie. Well, you are true Charlotte. I'm true Charlotte. Yes. Because she also got a she got a Cavalier King Charles Springer, but it's it's still a or excuse me, a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, but still a Spaniel. Little exactly. guy. Yeah. But who are you this week? Um, I think I've been this for a while, but I'm a classic carry, um, mostly with the like reckless out of control spending. Um, yes, New I, York. <laughs> yeah, I have a job coming up. I don't really want to talk too much about it until it's super finalized. But um, I feel like just knowing I have a job coming up, I've just like been buying clothes and makeup and um just lots of things uh, and stuff for my house. And, you know, I've just been like a raging capitalist. So got to do it, though. Feels good. I mean, I have to say, like, I walked into this store that's kind of expensive and just tried on things that looked like fucking fabulous. And it was really empowering to be like, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. That's so fun. Leave with a bag of clothes that look incredible. Like, you know, so, yeah, I think I'm just kind of being a bit of a carré right now. I'm also doing a little bit of like, because I have this uh, gig coming up, not that it'll be crazy, but I've just been trying to do like a lot of stuff that was on my to do list for a really long mm-hmm. time, especially interior design wise. Like I had a bunch of clearing some um, of your tabs from your browser, like really big, high priority stuff. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny how like you have cert. I'm type A, so I love making lists and I love yeah. checking things off the list. It's like deeply satisfying for me. And I've had like interior design things that I've wanted to do for a while. Like it's really simple, but you know, I have a vanity section where like all my makeup is and mm-hmm. jewelry and it was kind of just like a mess. And so I like went to the container store and bought like organizers. And now all of a sudden this area that just looked like a thoughtless mess looks like, like yeah, like beautiful and composed. And then the same thing in my bathroom, I had this bathroom shelf and it was just like a million different things on it. And all I did was buy like a couple of like, organizers and now it looks like oh an adult's apartment and so it's boring to talk about but the truth is like those small things you do yeah it makes it it's like if you want to live in a place where people walk in and go oh this is really beautiful and even for yourself i i feel like those adulty boring errands to west elm and container store and bed bath and beyond it makes a huge difference Yeah, I'm very much I'm very much a person who like I hate the I hate going to the stores, but the end result is so satisfying. Yes. Yeah, I still have to hang a bunch of art. That's like the next thing. And I'm also not the best at like deciding where to put the art. So I need to have a friend with a good eye come and kind of be like, that should go there. This should go there. Kristen is really good at that. I we have Mm. a bunch of stuff and I love doing like a gallery wall type thing. But it's also we also have definitely had like kind of gradually like growing out of like college gallery wall to like putting stuff in frames gallery wall oh yeah definitely and and it's still a little bit of like a 50 50 but it's like it's such a satisfying thing again to like just have it look nice and have it be all your stuff and reflective of you and yeah you know what a couple of things i think the pandemic when we've all spent so much time at home has really made the idea of like having a lovely home and like i live in a studio i i don't have a big giant space but like Making your space, whatever size it is, like as relaxing and lovely and like beautiful as possible, I think has been like very worthwhile. Absolutely. I also feel like when you walk into someone's space and it doesn't have to be like a lot of money was spent or that it's expensive or big. But when you walk in someone's space and it's tidy and beautiful and considered, 
you're like, oh, I really, it's just really nice. Whereas when yes. you walk in a space and it's like a messy disaster, it's not great. No, totally. And also just with the whole, the volume of like working at home that everyone has been doing in the past year, like actually like building out the space to be pleasant. Like this is not like some crazy insight, but it like really makes having to be in one place for work so much easier and so much more pleasant. Yeah, I completely agree. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now we are going to dive in to, you guessed it, Sex and the City to the movie. This is the first part. Obviously, you guys are all excited. This movie is, it's kind of like, there's a movie from the 70s that Elaine May directed starring Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty called Ishtar, which was like a really expensive flop that like tanked her directing career. And this kind of reminds me of Ishtar. It's like this Middle Eastern fantasy. But I have to say... It had been a really long time since I had seen the movie and 90% of movies I watch these days. I'm like also swiping on dating apps and posting on Instagram and like looking up stuff online. So I did this enjoy movie, watching this movie it. improves <laughs> through, through your phone. <laughs> Absolutely. I, mean, I, I definitely didn't feel like, oh, I hate this. And I have to just say as a caveat, like one thing I think Michael Patrick King does really well is just like aspirational capitalist luxury porn, which I really enjoy watching. I mean, he didn't do Emily in Paris, but that show does that too, where it's like, even though the plot is insane and it's like white colonialism left and right, and there's all of these huge problems on a very superficial level, it's like every hotel they go to, every scene, it's just like lavish and expensive. And, you know, for most of us, there's no fucking way in hell we'll ever go to places like that. So it is kind of exciting to watch and look at, at least for me. There is something I, I agree. There is something to be said about like the whole show is about like well off, successful yes. professional women. And to give over what before the reboot was like kind of the end of of the franchise, basically to like. We're just going to go balls to the wall and like everyone is going to be as rich and as luxurious as possible is kind of there's a lot there's a lot of loathsome stuff in this movie. But like, I also kind of respect that, like, we're just going to do the craziest wealth porn you could ever possibly imagine. Like, it's it's really that is what I like And I mean, cancel me, but I don't hate this movie. I think it's campy and bizarre and a flop. But lying on my couch and also like doing other things on my phone, I did enjoy watching it. I was like, when is this going to end? It definitely was like psychotically long. Both of these movies are two and a half hours long. It's so <laughs> nuts. Why is that? Had you, had you seen this movie before? No, Skyler? I'd never seen it. I actually did just watch Ishtar for the first time and had the same thought. Which I thought was actually very funny. Oh, Ishtar is a lot of, I mean, I just watch all it of the Maze movies and she's a genius. She's yes, like, I it's agree. so, so much of a bummer that Ishtar like derailed a, a directing career when like she made a, a new leave, which is 
one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen. I know. And not only that, I feel like, you know, if Elaine May was a man and she made one bad movie, she'd oh, still get to do stuff. But anyway, completely. okay. so Sky, let's jump on in. Um, so the second Sex and City movie opens with Carrie reliving her New York history. Oh, this is like the most fun part of the entire fucking movie is the origin story of how the girls met. And it's like really fun. And they do these like hilarious recreations of each woman in the 80s and like Miranda's haircut. I've honestly never seen anything like it. It was like a flying saucer. It was wild. It was like the like bulliest bowl cut. Yeah, it was like a one inch I, it was like a one inch bob. It was like she had a bump it that was like a halo. It oh was my God. insane. They fucking do her dirty so much on this it's show. It's so funny. Either that or she's like, maybe she's like Amy Sedaris where she's just like, make me look insane. I'm yeah. down. Like, it's, or yeah, there's almost like a Cindy Sherman. It's like, what if I just like <laughs> wore something else crazy? Yes. Like, and then I love the idea that is like kind of fun and fabulous that fucking Samantha who, you know, they're all super bougie, but then again, we're meeting them in mid like just because they're bougie now in their 20s who knows and the lore for samantha is that she was a bartender at cbg yeah which that's was awesome a legendary punk rock bar yeah and they have that whole i mean there's i i brought it up a couple of times now but she wears that like new york dolls shirt on that uh in that episode where they all like go get high and like hang out with all the college kids and whatever yeah. and it's like I kind of dig that, like, Samantha, and she's also impressed with Alexander's Studio 54 stuff. Like, Samantha's, like, kind of cool scene yeah, And it's, like, a little, yeah, it's not really in the show as much as I, as much as I would like it to be, because I think it's such a fun backstory for her. Yeah, so the opening of this movie is, like, so fucking fun, and they all have these little, like, you know, Carrie has these little stories of how they all met. And basically, they're meeting up to buy gifts for Stanford and Anthony's wedding, which... I mean, lol, that they would be together. It's just the only two gay men that have been on the show. So clearly they have to get married. Just like if you're gay or or it's like if you're gay and a friend is like, oh, I should set you up with someone else. And they just also are gay. And there's like nothing else that you guys have in common. That's Stanford and Anthony. A thousand percent. It's it's (laughs) there's something about this opening that's like. I kind of admire the just like we're just going to say fuck it and kind of go with every every like. Everything's a little underbaked and but I kind of like it. And I, I like that Sanford. I agree with you. I, I think you're exactly right with the, where it's like they hated each other the entire run. But I guess we're just going to have them get married so that we have a reason to have this insane wedding in Connecticut Which is honestly reason enough for me, because as you will describe, I thought the wedding was a total blast. The wedding and is like, so wild. Yeah. Michael Patrick King loves a wedding scene. Dare I say, so do I. So even though this couple would never be together in real life and they have zero sparks, I definitely enjoy the wedding. But you you talk about the wedding. So everyone heads to Connecticut where Carrie is set to be Sanford's best man at uh, Sanford and Anthony's wedding. She even wears a suit and a bow tie. Carrie and Big have sex before actually going to the ceremony, which is quite the bash. There's a choir, canals and swans. Also, nobody can stop calling it a gay wedding. The whole crew catches up with Samantha and Anthony. Also, we have to say that fucking Liza Minnelli is in this movie and she sings Beyonce's single ladies and actually does an incredible job for her age. There's it's so funny, too, because there's zero runway at all given to like (laughs) they how do they know Liza Minnelli? Why is Liza Minnelli like cool with like being the efficient? Like it's but also amazing that Liza Minnelli's in this movie like and performing. It's like. What was the last performance that she'd done in a movie before this? Like, it's it feels like a very, very big 
kind of moment. I also think it does make sense, though, because like this group of people are incredibly connected. They're obsessed with the arts. They're part of like the New York glam squad so it, it i think it, it makes sense to me no no i i agree it's just funny that there's not even a sentence where it's like guys we got one of the truly the most famous like broadway divas and <laughs> we're not gonna say at all this how she got here so fun to be on set for that like that wedding yes. just was like incredible okay so now we're gonna hit the clip oh there's samantha hey you brought your dog it's a gay wedding i figured what's one more little bitch with an attitude hey guys shouldn't we be a little bit more pc <laughs> Sharp. Anthony! Hey! Can you believe this place? It looks like the Snow Queen exploded. <laughs> How's that for PC? <laughs> so you're not the wedding planner? Hell to the no. I pulled out when Stanford mentioned swans. Finally, I just threw up my arms, whatever he wants, give it to him. Aww. Yep, Stanford gets the wedding of his dreams and I get to cheat. And don't give me that face, Char. Just because I'm getting married doesn't mean I have to change who I am. So you're allowed to cheat because you're gay? No, because I'm Italian. <laughs> Carrie Stanford's looking for you. Cute hat. Anthony! Coming! I don't get it. Why get married if you're going to cheat? Well, he didn't say he was going to cheat. He just said he was allowed to cheat. Is that how you heard it? Well, it's not really any of our business. Except he told us. I'm just saying, I think every couple has the right to make their own rules. Well, not really. It's marriage. Well, you said something earlier, Sky, which I think is worth saying, which is like they keep saying, like, it's a gay wedding. It's a gay wedding. It's a gay wedding. And like even big is like, I'm nervous to go to a gay wedding. Like, what if someone hits on me? And then a really handsome guy just is literally like, oh, hi. And we're supposed to be like, oh, my God, look how terrible a straight guy got hit on. Like, there's a ton of homophobia all around this. Yeah, the the tone of that stuff is very strange. But you also said something earlier with regards to like, all of the like kind of luxury wealth porn on display in this in this uh, movie. There's this movie came out in 2010 and they're like kind of every now and again glancing at like the recession is two years in the past. This movie sort of has the feel of like super wealthy people who like wrote out the recession well, just kind of like living it up a little bit and just Gatsby. being like, yeah, it's a little like like um it's a little like Gilded Age a little bit. And, and I, I think that plays into the, the this conservative vibe a little bit. Yeah, it's a little like we're fine. We have money. And, and the rest of the world outside of this is a little it. They are doing stuff that has nothing to do with us anymore. And I think that comes out in the treatment of like the gay wedding stuff, too, where they keep kind of treating it as like. It's a gay wedding. Like they have to frame it. It's, it's so exotic. It's, yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny because it's like, you know, we we talk about, you know, storytelling has come so far and finally marginalized voices are for the first time in history getting a chance in media and film and television and stuff. But this movie and this era is like a like if you were in a museum, it, this would be like a perfect example of like a cis heterosexual rich white gaze. Like, Completely. It's like, you know, also. And it's just a it, it's like a time capsule of just the way people even like the way straight people even talked about queer relationships. For example, even even the language, oh, I get to cheat on him. It's like, well, technically, that's not cheating. Technically, yeah. what you're describing is an open relationship. And the fact that he's even saying I'm cheating is sort of like adding this layer of like guilt and shame and like sort of like 
we're, we're doing this this thing and you guys are all straight and your marriages are normal and good and Christian and ours are like these devious gay marriages. Yes. Yeah. There's such a weird like the actual like ideology of this movie is really tough to like tease out for exactly that reason where it's like, yes, exactly what you're saying. That's not an uncommon thing. And my understanding is that's not an uncommon yes. thing in queer relationships where it's people will sleep with other other people outside of the There's relationship. There's more and non-monogamy yeah. in queer relationships than straight relationships. But even straight ones, it feels like every day there's more and more. But yes, yeah. it's, it's definitely more of a cultural thing. And also it wouldn't. My understanding is it's not typically framed as like cheating. Like, it's just like that's kind of cheating means understood you're lying. As, and yeah. so if they're literally having a discussion saying I will sleep with people besides you, that's just not cheating. Yes, it's, che- it's cheating is bizarre. like I'm not telling you. Yeah, it, it was also kind of strange, too, because it that scene also really emphasized this like, you know what? Somebody actually said it. I think Carrie even fucking said it, which is so crazy. But I think in this movie, the core four were talking and they were like Stanford and Anthony. And she was like, yeah, I think they were just like the last two standing at the gay bar. They just didn't want to be alone. Yeah. And it was like really mean and. Yes. And condescending and shitty, but it is how it feels like it actually doesn't feel like they love each other. And it and even the way Anthony framed he lets me cheat on him makes you think, oh, no, Stanford is like getting involved in this relationship where he's not being treated well. And he's like sad. I'm also realizing we never saw Stanford break up with Marcus, correct? So there's just this whole backstory that's totally off screen of like. It seemed like that was at the very least a slightly healthier relationship, or at least a relationship that Sanford was more invested in. And there's just zero plot work uh, laid to get Anthony and and Sanford together, despite them, exactly as you say, like famously not liking each other and being, quote unquote, the last people at the bar. It's really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I also think like, I think Michael Patrick King is like a genius, an amazing storyteller, so talented. Um, he wrote and directed this movie, but I think, which is understandable, I think, you know, he's a gay man of a certain age. I think he has a lot of internalized homophobia. I think he's probably spent a lot of time in straight circles and, you know, he's older. He grew up in a time where the gay acceptance and queer acceptance is nothing like it is now. And I think you can see a lot of the self-loathing and insecurity and, you know, kind of like, queer self-hatred not that he hates himself but like all that stuff that he probably grew up feeling in the movies with the way he treats his gay characters yeah it's it feels a little bit like one of those things where what is bumping us feels like it's not the sort of thing that michael patrick king necessarily would think is even strange where it's like culturally my understanding of like the gay scene is like this this is me speaking michael patrick king's voice is that like a lot of my straight friends are still going to have like a little bit of odd attitudes about my gay friends and the people I sleep with and the people I, I get married to. Whereas for you and me talking about it, it's like, it's weird that he has that attitude because that is not the attitude that we have. But we're all. so much younger than him. Yes. We're like half his age. You yeah. Know? But that's what I'm saying. Like it's, you're seeing these, these generational perspective differences. differences. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting too, because it's like, no one is crueler to themselves. Nobody is meaner than we are to ourselves. Totally. And it's like all of the internalized homophobia of when he was growing up. It's like, 
I get together with a group of women in my age, late 30s, and just like the way my close friends talk about their looks, their age, their body, it's like sickeningly mean. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like the way we all internalize the patriarchy, dominant culture. It's just like very intense. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's what this is an example of. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, and I also think there's something kind of like gross about a group of straight couples kind of like acting holier than thou. Like, oh, this this sordid gay marriage. Well, we would never do that. Like, oh, isn't it so like it kind of feels like 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 they're talking about animals or something like. Well, it's also I also should flag, too, that like this is pre um, the, fam marriage. the famous oh, no. uh, wedding case. So it's Obergefell v. Hodges, I think, that legalized uh, that that legalized gay marriage across the U.S., which I think is 2015. So, like, there is also a little bit of novelty that that uh, big and the people who are a little like cocking their eyes at this are part. That, I think that's part of the reason they're cocking their eyes at this a little bit. I don't think yeah. that makes it good, but I right. think that's also like just like this is in terms of when it was. Yeah. Right. So Carrie finds Stanford, who confirms what she just heard. Anthony can cheat. Anthony doesn't care about tradition and Stanford wants him to be happy. Now, I'm just saying this would be fine if Stanford and Anthony were both like, we're different. We're, you know, we're making marriage on our own terms, which I think would be empowering. I think the reason that this rubs the wrong way is that it feels like a case of one person wanting a monogamous relationship yes. another one wanting an open and then the person that wants a monogamous one just going with it because they have low self-esteem so that's so old. like wanting to be in an open relationship is totally cool i think what makes this icky is that it feels like stanford is not really okay with this yes which just makes the marriage seem like it's starting off in this kind of weird way completely so Carrie finds her boutonniere, and to her surprise, it's labeled Carrie Preston. I didn't even realize that Mr. Big's last name was Preston. Carrie waves it off and puts on a lace crown and heads to the altar. She also looks really awesome as the best man. I really liked that outfit on her. And as things get going, Samantha spots a hot straight guy, Nikki, Anthony's brother. And I do have to say, because classically on sex in the city i don't think many of the guys are very stereotypically hot i think nikki is a fucking smoke show he's very handsome come on uh yeah no he's he's hot yeah the ceremony really gets moving when anthony and stanford's officiant shows up liza minnelli stanford and anthony exchange their vows which end up being pretty traditional after all liza caps the whole thing with a performance of single ladies over at the core fours table, Miranda deals with an obnoxious email from her new boss, who's a total dick, while Big grabs champagne and gets hit on by a guy at the bar. And I have to say, it was actually really hot watching this guy hit on Big. And like, I wish there was an alternative universe where Big falls into the bathroom and hooks up with him and like finally gives Carrie a taste of her own medicine is like, oops, I'm sorry I cheated. Would have been more interesting than <laughs> Big and Carrie's arc in this movie. <laughs> And also, it's like, please, Mr. Big, no one is that fully masculine who isn't a little curious. Um, when Big gets back to their table, another couple starts chatting Carrie up. It's a, it's a blonde woman and her husband, and the blonde woman is, like, obsessed with Carrie. She's read all her books and her column, and she's like, oh, my God, we're exactly the same. I had the same dating life as you, and we even got married in the same month. And this woman is just, like, totally fangirling. And then the woman admits that she's about to have a baby with a surrogate. Uh, and then she asks Carrie if Carrie and Big are interested in having children. 
And Carrie says that they're not. And this woman's reaction was like literally like it wasn't even veiled judgment. It was like your Italian Catholic grandmother finding out you had an abortion. It is like the most judgmental. It's so nuts. It's like she literally has never met somebody who didn't want to have children before. It was like jaw droppingly rude. And also, yeah. Yeah. You would also just think like stranger etiquette is not to be like, oh, you are making an insane like it she's so rude it's nuts it's, it's absolutely insane of course it makes carrie feel weird and um carrie said it's you know children is basically not for them and the woman says something like wow so it's just gonna be you two which kind of freaks her out and i do have to say and i think i said this to a friend on the phone the other night that like sex in the city because of because culture is misogynistic and anything that's made for women and has any um traditional feminine tropes is considered inferior, sh- shitty, not serious, a guilty pleasure, embarrassing, something that we should make make fun of. Like when we talked about the terms basic and chuggy, which are all aimed at just making fun of women for the mm-hmm. things that they like. Sex in the city has been called basic for a long time by men and women. Um, you know, it's considered among some snobby people to like not be very edgy or cool or feminist or, you know, that the stereotypical watcher is like a girl who drinks lattes and has Ugg boots and joined a sorority or whatever. But I have to say, for all of its big reputation as being so basic, the fact that in the rom-com, the main character, who's this tiny blonde, has no interest in children and does not have them is a big fucking deal. And this was like years ago. I agree with that. I but the thing is, uh, for me, my I I agree with I definitely agree with the like shitty shitty uh, treatments that like that culture that is quote unquote made for women come yeah. in for, which like it is just lame and like and and if there's any criticism that's basic, it's that criticism. Like that's yes, such a I fucking cheap yes. thing to say. Um, because there's also there is a lot of interesting complexity in this show and and in shows like this and like yes. all these writers like went on to like fascinating and like really cool and interesting things and like yes all all stated but um there is Carrie does have that beat with, when she's with Alexander where she, when Alexander says that he's definitely not having kids again and she it's doesn't like, know if she wants to yeah yeah it's a shock for her and she's it's not something she hadn't quite confronted but I do agree with you that like I, it's interesting to see that her and Big aren't ultimately going to have kids. But I mean, really think about it, Skylar, how many romantic movies. Yes. No, totally. Books where the main lead character, who's a tiny blonde princess is like, I don't want to have a family that never happens. No, totally. That's, uh, but that's, that's me agreeing with you too, where it's like, happily ever after always including family. That's why I think in some ways, you know, like maybe it's considered quote unquote basic for a woman to be like obsessed with shoes and to like gasp when she sees a closet. But for a woman to be like, yeah, I think I'd rather not have kids. That is not basic at all. That is totally. like fucking super like feminist revolution. Like I'm not going to just be a mother. <laughs> yes. No, totally. Meanwhile, Samantha meets Nikki, Anthony's hot brother at the bar, and they immediately take off her some very loud sex upstairs. Charlotte and Harry battle to get Lily and their new baby, Rose, to sleep over in their room. Big and Carrie's room is between the two, so they also try to get some sleep over all the noise. Big even turns on It Happened One Night to drown everything out. 
I actually think this is really clever and cool. And even though this movie is long and winding and has some problems, I do think there's some like really poignant stuff in here. I do too. And I think that it's really interesting after this talk about like, okay, so we're going to be a long-term couple that doesn't have kids. What does that look like? Because for straight couples, that's not the norm. And so I thought it was really clever that they literally are like on one hand hearing their friend who's permanently single, having crazy sex. And that's like a version of being single. And then the other hand, they're hearing screaming babies and they don't really want either one of those things. And then they're sitting here watching a movie and it's nice, but it's just really, interesting to kind of see that put together visually and have Carrie really like sort of wonder where that leaves her. Agreed. I think that I think that this movie is actually there is obviously like a lot of bad stuff in the movie that's not defensible and is like really sort of makes your skin crawl. Um, But I think it is more tightly constructed, like set up payoff wise than the first movie is and this it happened one night stuff is one of those examples and what you're talking about is another one of those examples where there are like sort of more clever visual representations of like the tricky stuff that's going on with big and carrie now that it builds to like big buys a television that really (laughs) messes things up is a little frustrating to me as a payoff for that setup but i really like a lot of the setups me too and i also think it's really interesting that like It brings up, I think, a lot of really interesting discussions. Mm -hmm. For example, like when people ask a couple, like, are you planning to have kids? And people say no. I feel like there's this idea that if you don't have kids, that you're supposed to have a reason and that you have to have some like really interesting, important justification. Whereas if you want kids, you don't have to explain yourself at all. Like, yes, I feel like. There's also this thing that society puts on couples that don't want kids where it's like people are looking at you as if your life is lacking something instead of you making a choice to have something. It's like you're almost being forced to prove that like I remember one friend saying like, if I don't want to have kids, I don't need to. It's not because I have to have this like amazing career or do this amazing thing. It's just valid on its own. I don't have to have a compelling reason. And I think this idea of people asking her, like, so it's just going to be you two. And I think this idea of just or like lack is this like mainstream heteronormative thing where it's like the choice to not is just as full a choice as two. It's just a different choice. Yes. There's do you know Caitlin Durante? Mm, No. She's a she's a comedian and she co-hosts Bechdel cast with um, Mm. Jamie Loftus. And she had this this thread on Twitter about the nightmare experience that she's had over years and years of telling medical professionals that, like, she does not want to have kids and she would like to medically pursue not having kids, like getting Mm. her tube side, basically. And her or just her. Her experience with that and the way that she was treated by professionals was like one of the most condescending yeah it was just such a shitty thing to read where it's like all these people who who should just be providing her care are just like you'll change your mind basically and refusing to give her what she asked for and it's like it's such a it's an incredible threat also Bechtel cast is great um but yes agreed and and it's it's a cool thing to see represented in this movie so the next day the core four meet up for lunch 
And Samantha's on a wild vitamin regimen because she's going through menopause. And so she feels like she has to really overcompensate by taking estrogen and all these different pills because her libido is low and her skin is dry and she wants to maintain her youth. So she shoots back some various um, pills while they all wait for Charlotte. Oh, here she is. Oh, I thought it was just going to be the four of us. Don't worry, the nanny will be here in a minute. Harry's just not back from playing golf with the guys. Oh, here. Let me hold that pretty little morning rose. Oh, OK, no, Sam. She just learned the word no. Oh, well, good for her. We're hoping that Samantha learns it one of these days. Terrible twos. She's not terrible. No, of course she's not terrible. The terrible twos are terrible. Right. <laughs> she's in the I only want mommy phase. And me and Aaron. <laughs> right. Just you and me and Aaron. Who's Aaron? Her nanny. Oh. How are you going to swallow all those? Have we met? Aaron! <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Good morning, ladies. Good morning. I hear it was quite the glorious wedding. Ah, oh, it was. Oh, and you must be the famous Samantha. Mm. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Now. I know a little girl who would just love to practice her cartwheels on the lawn. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Do you have the sunblock? Come to me, little pet. There you go. Yes. And you have yourselves a lovely morning. You too. Thanks, Erin. Yeah. Oh, so so sweet. That's your nanny? Yes, that's Erin. You mean Erin Go Brawless? Ha ha, she doesn't wear a bra. Was she wearing a bra at the job interview? I don't know, Samantha. I was too busy thinking about her degree in children's education and how much the girls liked her. So her tits never came up? No, her tits never came up. And she's amazing. No, I'm sure she is, but honey, there ought to be a law against hiring a nanny that looks like that. Yeah. The Jude Law. <laughs> oh my God, none of these jokes are funny. What? They're <laughs> wild. Wait, literally, like, I have to say, again, I only feel comfortable criticizing Matrick, Michael Patrick King because he's very, very talented. And, yes. like, it's criticizing somebody that I really respect. But, and he's a great joke writer, which is why Aaron Go Brawless as a punchline. I honestly, is that an Aaron Brockovich joke? I could not tell what the pun was. Like, I, I can't figure it out. No idea. Truly none. It's so bizarre. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I will say, um, and then the joke about Jude Law, like, how does he have anything to do with breasts? I guess he, like, wasn't, was he was, like... And he was like a cad, I guess, when he kind of broke in the early. I don't really know. I, I actually think that this is kind of a funny storyline just because her tits are so awesome and big and bouncy. And it's like, it's so porny in 60s, which I actually think is a lot of fun. I mean, it's very good. It's also I, this that this movie just constantly leads and in, leans into like cultural music cues is like so nutty where it's like we gotta have river dance the moment we have an irish character on screen also that uh carrie that carrie um immediately like puts on an irish accent of her own to like greet aaron for what seems like the very first time is like real bold choice the whole thing is absolutely hilarious i mean I think like this movie is like 
you could take an edible or you could just watch the movie straight and it'll be the same experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, I definitely feel like, like it's almost impossible to analyze this as if it's real, but there's a part of me that feels like I have, I'm of two minds over whether it's realistic that Charlotte would have hired this woman because on one hand, I think one thing that the movie, and again, I have to say for all the flaws, there's a lot of realistic stuff in here. Like, I just came from New York where I was helping my sister who just had a newborn. And my mm-hmm. sister, like all new moms, is like exhausted spiritually, mentally, you know, really emotional. Not for any particular reason. Then she just like pushed a baby out and is not sleeping. No, totally. And I think and she's so desperate for help, like all new moms. There's a part of me that feels like also when you're really comfortable in your marriage, like. And, you know, you're just like walking around naked and you're breastfeeding and you're exhausted. and You're obviously not having sex right now. It's like when you really are like in a real relationship, a very hot person circulating doesn't actually make any yeah. fucking difference. No, it's it's truly like Charlotte. It sounds like Charlotte hired the best person for the job and well, like it didn't register. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like on one hand, I could totally see her being like. Psychedelically level tired and that this woman is amazing. Yes. But then there's another part that just feels like and maybe this is showing that like Charlotte has changed that Charlotte doesn't really seem like the jealous tape, especially with Harry, because he's so loving and dedicated. But yes, even but she still has some primness. And I I mean, I barely ever wear bras, but I have really small breasts. And I think women with big breasts should do whatever they want. But they tend to wear bras because there's a little more going on there. It's a little more like attention grabby, not. And again, I'm not shaming women with big breasts for not wearing bras, but it's it's like um, you can kind of fly under the radar if you don't wear a bra with small breasts and people don't notice much. And there's just something that I wonder about, like Charlotte being so prissy to hire Mm -hmm. somebody who's kind of like I could see her in a judgmental period, like thinking that was like low class. Totally. And so I don't know if she's just changed, if her judgment is totally compromised or if she's just like a more relaxed person now that she's with Harry. Totally. No, I agree. I yes, there's there is the logic bump a little bit, but it's also what like I Aaron obviously doesn't really get sketched out as a real human being, really. Like we don't get much of Aaron's internal life except for like the final beat where I guess it turns out she's, she's gay. Yeah. Yeah. But also like. And I don't know many many nannies i don't and i don't know what the standard is but it is a little surprising to me that she is braless at at all times around like the kids and and and, well just everyone like it just seems like you are like you are at work like i don't know i don't know what the yeah i agree with that it's like it's like even me like if i uh, have a meeting or if i have to go into work i definitely wear things that are appropriate like yes. um yeah and the thing is i think that it's cool to like love your body and be really comfortable but i also think that like if you look like that woman and you have that woman's body and you're around like your employer's husbands or like the married men it it just feels like Maybe the conscientious thing to do, but she's just this like hippie kind of like. I mean, she yes. seems perfectly lovely. No, she I have seems no amazing. With her. Yeah, she yeah, seems, she seems yeah, awesome. and good at her job. Yeah. Yes, and um, I think, and also, it is not her responsibility to to dress 
to dress quote unquote conservatively. Yes, exactly. Or to make sure that like Harry isn't ogling her. If Harry's ogling her, that's Harry's fucking problem and yeah. creepy and he needs to fix that. And I like, agree. I agree. All this being said over my dead fucking body <laughs> would I ever hire a nanny like that because um it's sort of like you can always hire somebody who doesn't look like that that's also <laughs> always an option so I think for me that would be a no because even if someone loved me very much I wouldn't want to feel like my partner I wouldn't want to be reminded because like obviously when you are in a relationship you find other people attractive that's just like humanity but I don't necessarily want to be a reminded every single day when I just pushed a baby out and I'm exhausted and my hair is frizzy and I haven't gotten a dye that there's like a literal human sex toy just like a very hot like person who like who yeah, dances like, a jig at all times with <laughs> without a bra on with yeah like Jessica Rabbit like no yeah. I mean I think yeah and, and I, I also relate to the storyline for um Charlotte, because even if you you love your partner so much, I could see if you were exhausted and feeling kind of like emotional and raw and like not your hottest because you just had a baby that it would be very triggering to leave your husband alone with like truly completely like a, yes. like a literal like cartoon that a horny incel would draw, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and even and even like even assuming that like Harry being a good person and also just like, even if, like, the cheating is the least realistic thing and, like, it's just not going to happen, just having the sense that, like, Charlotte is is vulnerable, she had this kid, the kids are being a nightmare, like, just e- having Aaron or having a nanny who's actually supposed to relieve your stress and then having it, having this whole additional stress of her being incredibly hot and threatening is, like, I, I get the dynamic and it's it's interesting that they chose to explore it and I would... If I were Charlotte, probably hire someone that didn't make me feel like my husband's going to cheat. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's as far as we're going to go today. Jamie will be on our next thing. Please join us. We end every episode with Horny Force. Sex and City is obviously a very horny show. So every week we talk about what we are horny for. Skylar, what are you horny for this week? I just finished this book um, called Homeland Elegies by this writer, Ayad Akhtar. Um, That is... Excellent. How do you spell his last name? A-K-H-T-A-R. Um, okay. What's it about? It's it's amazing. Like it um the thing is it's it's a little bit difficult difficult to explain exactly what it's about because it's one of these books that's like sort of about like the idea of America in a in a way, but uh, but it's also this memoir and also um while also being a novel, like the the main character is very closely modeled on the actual Ayad Akhtar. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright. He's the son of uh, Pakistani immigrants. And he's just sort of like angrily, but in like such a piercing way, like surveying what has brought like America kind of apart at the seams. And it's like, it feels like this, it sounds like something that's like very ambitious and, and a little punishing to read, but it's like so beautifully written and just like, uh kind of open and fascinating that like I loved it. I like it's it it's not enormous and it just like flies. It's such a it's one of the best books I've read recently. It was also like a Times 10 best book last year and like I was very, very glad to read it. Very, okay, very awesome. horny for that book. Great. What are you horny for? I'm gonna do a multi-pronged horny for and the theme that ties it all together is food. 
Um, I'm very food motivated. Um, I like thinking about it, eating it, reading about it, talking about it. So uh, I just started listening to a new podcast. And if you like thinking about food, cooking food, you know, that type of thing, I would highly recommend it. Um, the podcast is called Burnt Toast. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. And the episode that I just listened to was called Either Side Eaters Breakfast. And it's only 29 minutes. And I learned all kinds of things about like eggs and people that put eggs in the refrigerator versus people that don't people that wash their meat versus people that don't. It's just like interesting food information. And the girls are very, excuse me, women. They both went to culinary school. They're really interesting. Um, so if you like thinking about food and hearing people talk about it, I would definitely recommend that. Um, also, I've making I'm making a new salad these days that I'm going to share. Um, I'm obsessed with going to the farmer's market and buying like a bunch of things that are just like super fresh and in season. So yeah, I yeah. get a bag of like delicious mixed lettuce. I got pumpkin seeds. I got sugar snap peas, which are in season, um, small tomatoes, which are in season, um, broccolini and parsley and avocado. This sounds very good. I put it together. I squeeze a ton of lemon, olive oil, salt and pepper. And then I bought this sauce at the farmer's market that's just roasted garlic mashed up with Parmesan, lemon, olive oil, salt and like cheese. Oh, this I I'm not a big cheese person. Everything else about this sounds incredible to me. You literally can use it in anything. And I just like dumped it in the salad and I just ate this giant bowl of like freshly picked from like a local farm thing. It was amazing. And then I always balance it out. If I eat a giant salad, then I also eat like a bag of licorice and then also chips. So I always feel like if I eat a deep yeah, dish yeah. bowl of salad, then I get to do whatever Absolutely. else I want. Yeah. Yeah. You, you weigh like negative calories. So you got. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and then another thing I'm horny for is um, loving yourself at any weight. This is this is actually basic, but I'm really into like the summer coming and like wearing whatever you feel like at the beach and feeling hot and that there is no like right body type, which is like truly the most like. What am I, a fucking influencer? But I do feel that that is true. I'm into the idea that nobody like it has to freak out this summer about their body, that they can yeah, just yeah. wear what fits, enjoy the fucking beach and call it a damn day. A thousand percent. Love that. Well, this has been really fun, Skylar. I'm so glad I got to spend some quality time with you. Yes, this was great. And very excited to get further into this movie. This movie is wild. <laughs> Yeah, hold on, you guys. We've got camels. We've got racist stereotypes. We have yeah. like a market bazaar, a soak. Yes. yes. It so, just like yeah. never ends. Okay, well, we'll see you guys next week. Nice to talk to you, Sky. Good talking to you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. Dog.
This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.